When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golic and Smitty. I'm Mike Golic. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to our Thanksgiving edition of Golic and Smitty. Mike Golic Sr. here, Jess Smetana. So we got a lot of sports to talk about, obviously, but Thanksgiving is coming up and it is one of the you know, it, it's not a holiday season. It's a holiday day, basically. I, I know some people want to turn it into a season a bit. I feel like it's a week. It's a holiday week to well, me. Well, I think it's a holiday week depending. Like, out here in Arizona, we're, we're not doing a big meal. It's me, it's Chris, it's Sydney and Ben and their new baby, Alex, and, and five dogs. So it's not really, we're not going to do this monstrous meal. I feel it's Thanksgiving week if you are like hosting and preparing because your prep has to start or has to, has to have been started already. So for sure, I don't know what you're doing out there. I know you and Lee are down in Miami, I believe. So you're not by any of your family. So I'm not sure what's what's happening with you guys. So we're we actually are are driving up to my parents' oh, house okay. uh, with our dog. So um, we're not. We're not making the Thanksgiving meal this year. We're we're going to like a family friend's house okay. who is ordering Thanksgiving dinner, which I have never had like catered Thanksgiving before. Um, and the reason she was doing that is because like a bunch of her family was coming, but as it turns out, they all have COVID now. So there's oh. going to be two massive turkeys for like five people. Wow. So that means a lot of a lot of what I like is leftovers. And you're gonna have they're gonna have leftovers for days. So. I'm, I'm gonna be eating turkey for like the the rest of the year. So I, I hope they get well soon because that I mean it's it stinks to get yeah. sick around the holidays. But um, yeah, there's gonna be so much food. And Mike, this all comes off the heels of me realizing like a week ago, I'm not I'm not in the mood for Thanksgiving dinner this year. I'm not in the mood for Why? it. I don't feel excited by it. I just feel like it's it's a little played out. I feel like in my advanced age, in my late 20s, I've done Thanksgiving enough times that I just don't want to eat. I don't want to do the whole thing. I don't want to eat turkey. I'm I'm sick of turkey. I don't want to do like the green bean casserole. I don't want to do sweet potatoes. Like none of that sounds that appealing to me right now. And I, I don't know why. I love just, I'm your, not in the mood. I love it. in your late 20s that you're played out. I'm basically I'm I'm. I'm more years than you are old, older than you. I'm like 31 years older than you. And I have never felt that in my life. I mean, it's once really? it's once a year where you put all these things. Now, you sometimes have these things separately, but it's a one time a year you put it all together. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little surprised and I'm worried down the road when you eventually have a family. Is this going to be your attitude for possibility of your young children as they grow up that you will not experience the Thanksgiving day the way it should be? Here, Here's the thing. My boyfriend, Lee, he's on the same page as me. And I really do think it's just the turkey. I really think that I just don't, I'm not into it. I don't know why, but a couple years ago when I first moved to Miami, Lee came down to Miami and we did Thanksgiving with him, me, him and his dad and his grandpa. It was just the four of us. Right. And he made, instead of making a turkey, he made a delicious roast chicken. It was, oh, out of this world. So tasty. And after that, I think it ruined Thanksgiving for me because I was like, you know what? You don't have to eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Yes. You can have chicken and it tastes better. You are 1000% correct. There is no rule. Now it's been tradition but the, when our, our Thanksgiving meal with with the group crew I mentioned, we are having ham. We are not having any turkey. Oh, no turkey. wow! We always have. Ham. We usually have turkey and ham. And we have all the one thing we have decided over the years: the most overrated part of Thanksgiving is the turkey. It is usually yeah, the driest. Just, uh... Not you know because 
I'm a big side dish person. Give me the green bean casserole. Give me the mashed potatoes. Give me the rolls. Give me the gravy. Give me a seven-layer salad. Uh, give me all of that and ham or a, a wonderfully roasted chicken. I'm cool with that as well. So, Jess, I beg you, don't give up the Thanksgiving meal, but go ahead and give up the turkey. There's no reason for there yeah. have to be okay. turkey. Turkey's got a really low floor and a low ceiling. Yes, yes. And I just don't think that it's for me. And it's not like it's it's bad. It's not like, oh, gross turkey. It's just like, I'd rather eat something right. else. And this year, this year, I'm going to have two turkeys, Mike, basically that's to tough. myself. That's tough. Because- and I think maybe that's why I'm just like, oh man, I just know I'm going to end up eating like an entire turkey on Thursday. I've had a lot of great cooks over the years cook turkeys for Thanksgiving. And when you just eat turkey alone, it's just still dry. You know, you yeah. need that. And I forgot to mention one of the other sides, stuffing. Gotta I have stuffing. stuffing. I So if Thanksgiving was just like build the whole Thanksgiving meal out of stuffing and I'm here for but it. Th- I will thanks, crap Thanksgiving it. Day meal is whatever you want it to be. If you want it to be roast chicken and stuffing and if you like cranberry sauce or, or whatever you like, make it that. I mean, to me, there there is... I, I'm so over the, it's got to be this turkey and the head of the household carved the turkey. I mean, yeah. I, I'm through that. How about eating what we like? Don't eat something because we feel like we have to eat something. Yes, no turkey at the Golik uh, dinner this time. We are big sides people. We are big ham people. So we're going to eat what we enjoy. And obviously, if you had to pick one dessert, one dessert is all you get What's it for Thanksgiving. What's it going to be? Apple pie a la mode, I think. But if you ask me tomorrow, my answer might change. I, I'm such a I'm such a pie guy. I, I know you are. I, I can't I can't say no to apple pie. It's the only pie I'll eat with fruit inside because you know I do not like fruit and dessert mixed. Yeah. Except for mm-hmm. apple pie. I can deal with apple pie, especially maybe if there's a little caramel over the top as well. Oh yeah. no problem caramel with that. But I, I'm I'm gonna go the there I'm going the traditional way and pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie with a big old cool whip on top of it. Yeah. You know, and either some milk or some coffee and I am good to go. And then I unbuckle my pants and I sit on the couch and I watch. That's- yeah the life. Mike, I'm coming to your house next year. I love a Thanksgiving where A, you don't leave the house. You're not going to anyone else's house. Maybe you'd like do something a little, a little active in the morning. I'm not like, we're not like a turkey trot family, but this year we're going to do one for the first time ever. Okay. And I'll I'll figure out if I'm going to stick with that or not. But like, I want to get, you know, my circulation going so I can be as nimble as possible while I'm eating all the sides. And then you like you said, un- unbuckle your pants or just don't wear hard pants. Right, you right. Know, wear, wear leggings yep. or sweats or something if you're staying home. And then you just sit there and you watch football and you don't get up. And then if you're an early Thanksgiving family, you eat Thanksgiving dinner for dinner again later. That is the I, pro move. Right that's there. another thing. I love when we eat at like noon or one o'clock. To, to wait for a Thanksgiving dinner to be at five or six o'clock, I can't stand it. I, that, yeah, that's no. when the second one, should be eaten. Exactly. And exactly. and the, the key thing is the one house that we would go to if it wasn't at our house when I was at ESPN in Connecticut was our good friends, the Perianos. And we were so close to them that it could be like we were in our own house because the worst you thing- You unbutton your pants Exactly. The worst thing is, is <laughs> in all honesty, I don't know how close you are to the where you're going, but is when you go to somebody's house where you kind of know them, but you don't know them, God forbid it's like the friend of a friend, where you have yeah. to be more normal. I don't want that. I don't want it. I want to be somewhere where I can eat. I can burp. I can unbuckle my pants. Yeah. I can lay on the floor and put the pumpkin pie yes. on my chest oh, and the just floor. shove it into I my mouth. I love the floor. But, I need, but you can't do that if you're at someone's house yeah. you don't really know. My family knows that I'm a disgusting freak, so they're really nothing phases them. And I, I feel the same way with like extended family members that – you know, family, friends, there's not really anyone that I wouldn't be disgusting around. Honestly, uh, I just don't care. So I will be burping Good. and laying on the floor Good. for sure. And I, I don't really care who sees it, Mike. Good. I really don't. Well, the one thing we're going to get is a whole lot of football. There's football, yeah. obviously the third. And I was interrupted in two Thanksgiving meals in my life because I played on Thanksgiving twice. Uh, once when I was in Philadelphia 
it happened to be the Bounty Bowl uh, way back in, uh, uh, I think it was 89, in Dallas, Philly against Dallas. And then in 93, when I was with the Dolphins, we played at Dallas. And that was a famous game where the Cowboys blocked our field goal at the end of the game, but Leon Lett came sliding in and kicked the ball and created a fumble, and we recovered and kicked the game-winning field goal. Uh, I, I didn't dig playing on Thanksgiving because I missed the the norm Family. of just sitting there, yeah. you know, and eating and all that. But we'll have the three games on Thanksgiving. We now have uh, NFL Friday, on Friday the Black Friday game, as they're calling Miami and the Jets, though. That could be a real ugly one as well. And then obviously the full slate of college on Saturday and then NFL on Sunday. It is a weekend, that's for sure. And Jess, we're coming out of the end of the, the college football regular season before we get to the conference championship games. And it's getting getting quite interesting, but whether it's off the field in Michigan, which we'll get to with, with Harbaugh and them basically saying, okay, forget about the appeal. We'll serve the suspension probably because more info was going to come out and they didn't want want that to happen uh, to <laughs> hmm. the rest of the slate and then what's coming up on the final weekend. So college football getting quite interesting as the big matchup, obviously, this weekend is going to be Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin with the football this weekend. The, the past weekend, usually the weekend before the final weekend of college football regular season, like the penultimate college football weekend is kind of like it's a snooze more or less like there's really usually not that many good games but this past weekend actually a lot happened there was of course we'll talk about Jordan Travis and the awful injury that he had in the Florida State North Alabama game um which may impact now the playoff picture but just for him personally like devastating he's he's you know been through a lot as a player and this was a really good season for him and for Florida State and to see him to see that happen it was gruesome like I I watched the clip of the injury before I really understood the extent of it um and yeah it was really really gruesome so I hope he recovers and gets well soon but that you know now with Florida State having to play um, Florida next weekend or this upcoming weekend and then Louisville clinched their spot yep. in the ACC championship game it's a fairly difficult test for them. Maybe not so much the Florida game because Florida's quarterback, Graham Mertz, also got yeah, hurt this past weekend. Yeah. Um, so he'll be out for the game. But the Louisville game may be now interesting, and we may have to talk about Louisville making the playoff because that that was not something that was really on my radar uh, the last couple of weeks, thinking, you know, Maybe they'll lose to Miami. Maybe, you know, they'll probably lose to Florida State. Now I would keep an eye on them. Um, but aside from that, Washington beat Oregon State, which now they've had so many ranked wins under their belt that I think it'd be impossible not to put them in the top four right. going into the last two weekends of the season. They're playing in the Apple Cup on Friday, uh, which thankfully uh, they have now extended the yes, Apple Cup yeah, contract. So it will not be the last Apple Cup, which I think uh, I, I thought that it might be. And then they'll hopefully be playing in the Pac-12 championship game, although there's still a couple things I have to shake out to see who their opponent is in that game. But overall, and then Michigan, like you said, you know, they almost kind of lost to Maryland, although Maryland like could not get their no. together and put together a touchdown drive at the end of that game. So I don't know if they were ever really in jeopardy, but a lot happened this past weekend that I think is setting up a really interesting final two weekends of the college football I season. agree. And I think, listen, if Florida State wins their next two games, if they beat Florida and they win the ACC and they're undefeated, I don't want to hear anybody say they might not make it because they don't have their quarterback. They'll be in the playoffs and they should be in the playoffs because they have two games now without um, their starting quarterback with that injury. And, yeah, by the way, whenever a limb is facing the wrong way, it's never a good injury. And that that was a shame for him. It really, really was. But if they stay undefeated, they will be in the Final Four. To to The thought process, because they don't have him, and a one-loss team would jump an undefeated team in a Power Five is crazy. So they would be in. Here's my thought, though, Jess. If they lose to Louisville, and now they have the loss, and Louisville has one loss, a bad loss to a bad pit team, the ACC is going to be out. I think the ACC yeah. will be out, uh, depending on you know some other things, but I think the ACC will be out. 
I think the biggest thing that all the other I agree with I think you. all the yeah. other conferences outside of the SEC are all rooting for Georgia to beat Alabama because nobody wants to start the conversation of if Alabama beats Georgia, do both get in? So if Georgia mm-hmm. beats Alabama, that ends it. Just one team from the SEC, Georgia, would be in. It seems to me the way we're going, the winner of Washington and Oregon is going to be in. Right now, Oregon is playing better. Washington won in the regular season by three, but Oregon's playing better now. And I hope neither team falls and they get to the Pac-12 championship and we see what happens there. Because I do think the winner, because they're sitting at five and six with the committee, so I think the winner would be in. And then, you know, who's kind of sitting there, we're waiting to see is Texas, right? All of a sudden, you're not getting that big matchup that you thought you might get in the Big 12 championship game because Oklahoma lost again. So is Texas going to get – could they get left out of this thing at one loss? Because if we figure Georgia's undefeated, and I'm going with Michigan. I think Michigan will be undefeated. So that's two in. If Florida State's undefeated, that's three in. And in my opinion, after that, it's the winner of the Washington-Oregon game that's going to be the fourth team. So I, I think that's where you go. Now, if Florida State loses, then, you know, I think that's, that's probably Texas's best chance to get in. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big 12 championship game scenarios are so chaotic yes. right now. So if Texas wins, then everything is pretty straightforward. And they're playing Texas Tech on Friday right. night. Uh, they're favorite. They're favorites. They're expected to win. Um, they should. They should win that game. But if they don't, all sorts of things may happen. There's um, just like you can read an entire article about this oh. and still not understand it, which is what I did. But basically, if Texas wins, things are pretty straightforward. Oklahoma still has a really straightforward shot at making it to the championship game. But Oklahoma State and Kansas State are still technically in it. Oklahoma State almost lost this past yeah. weekend. We're able to pull off a big comeback against Houston. Um, and Kansas State's having a, a really good season, but, you know, like they almost beat Texas two weekends ago and weren't able to pull it off. So the, that will hold, that whole thing will work itself out this weekend and will come down to probably Texas and Oklahoma in the championship game, but we'll see. Um, but then, like you said, I think Louisville's lost a pit, which yeah. still to me, I know it was like bad weather and they were missing a bunch of starters inexplicable, like unforgivable loss <laughs> for Louisville They got to be sick, game. right? They got to be the what yes. if game. They got to be sick for that one. Because they beat Notre Dame yep. at home at night, huge win for them. And then they go to Pitt the following weekend and they lose to a really bad, like three win at this point Pitt team that had only won, I think two games at that point. And one of their games was to like Wofford or, you know, one of those teams. So like just a unfor- unforgivable lost for Louisville to have. And I, I agree with you, even if they beat Florida state in the ACC championship game, I don't see a path for them into the playoff with a potential Alabama lingering two potential PAC 12 teams with only one loss lingering around. It just, it would be really hard to put them in with that pit loss. So as good of a job as uh, Louisville's new head coach, Jeff Brom has done this season, like that loss may haunt them for the rest of yeah. the season, but they still would have to beat Florida state, they would. which isn't going yeah. to be like, an, that's not an obvious outcome. Um, and they still, they struggled a lot against Miami this past weekend. I don't know if you watched the end of that game, but um, Miami oh, yeah. kind of gave, gave it away yep. a little bit and, you know, maybe, maybe another Miami home game that should have ended yeah. in a conference win gets, uh, timeout called away yeah. with some bad end of game management. Not the worst that we've seen from Mario Cristobal. No, no, it is not. not. Not ideal. So I'm with you. I think things as, as has happened every year with the college football playoff, things tend to work themselves out because of, um, injuries yep. at the end of the season upsets. This season's been pretty chalk. This season has not had some of the crazy upsets that we've seen in previous years. Um, so there are a lot of really good one loss teams still up there that have a shot, but I, I do think after this 
upcoming weekend and conference championship weekend, we'll have a pretty clear sense of who, you know, the number. I think if, if everybody holds serve up to the conference championship games, the biggest uh, shuffle, the biggest wrench could be Alabama beating Georgia, then having a case to maybe have two SEC teams in here. Uh, we will see. It's uh, that, that, that part's going to get very, very interesting. But we have Michigan, Ohio State, big game coming up. Jim Harbaugh not going to be on the sidelines in this. To me, if Ohio State's going to have a chance, it's Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, that is going to have to be the difference maker here. I think he and Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia, are probably two of the best non-quarterbacks that are playing in this league right now. I, I still like Michigan in this game, in the game everybody's kind of pointing to, Jess, in this. I just think I just think overall they're just too good on both sides of the ball and can control the game. They are, but I think the last two weeks has – two weekends has exposed maybe a deficient passing game – um, that wasn't as exposed in the previous games when they hadn't, you know, hadn't had to really play tough opponents. Like I kind of didn't really see a lot from Michigan's passing game at all. They, they're very good at running the ball and they're very good at, um, you know, controlling the line of scrimmage and they should be, they're extremely talented, but I am curious about it, especially as Ohio state's getting back to full strength, like some of their, top injured players are coming back like they're running back Travion Henderson. So uh, I, th- I hope it's a good game. I think you're right. I think Michigan wins. I think they're a better team, but um, it, it may be more interesting than, uh, you know, maybe you thought it might be after you saw Ohio state play against Penn state and saw how their offense was not the hottest no. thing. <laughs> no, they still have Marvin Harrison Jr. too. So Thank God. Skill position, player wise, like it could, they could make it interesting. I, so I'm excited for that one at noon on Saturday. I'm wondering, is the Heisman race going to come down to the Pac-12 championship game? Because you sit there and look, Jaden Daniels has put himself in there. He's, he leads of the three quarterbacks we may be talking about: Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix. Daniels has 36 touchdowns. Bo Nix 35. Penix 30. Uh, Penix leads in yardage uh, thrown. Bo Nix has only been sacked twice. He has the highest completion percentage. I don't know. for Jaden Daniels had a last couple monster weeks for LSU, but they're not going to be last seen, right? Um, they'll, they won't be in a conference championship game. The last two really on conference championship weekend that I think are up for the Heisman that have the best shot are going to be Penix and Bo Nix. So I'm kind of saying the winner of that game because I'd imagine one of the quarterbacks or both could have good games may end up securing the Heisman because I believe the votes have to be in after that game. Yeah. The Heisman is definitely a thing that like you may think someone should win, but based off of historically who the voters have voted for, it's going to be a, probably a quarterback from a winless or a, a, uh, undefeated or nearly undefeated team that's playing in a championship game. So I'm with you on that. I could see either one of those guys uh, going for it, but um, you know, Washington played a really tough game against Oregon state this weekend in the rain, they were able to pull off a win. And now Oregon has to play that same team on the final weekend of the season. So not a, not a shoe in for Oregon to be in that game. And also Arizona has like kind of man out of, out of nowhere had a really good season. So they're still in contention for the PAC 12 championship. If the PAC 12 division still existed this season, they would have won the PAC 12 South and clinched the championship spot this past weekend. And they're playing Arizona state, this upcoming weekend, their bitter rival, who oh, is one of the worst them. teams in the Pac-12, yeah. yeah, has had all sorts of injury problems. Uh, first year head coach Kenny Dillingham coaching them. It, it's been a really tough year for them, so they're probably going to win that game too. And they were like a two-point conversion away from beating USC earlier this season, so that would have put them at I think nine wins for the season. So a, a really good season for Jed Fish and, and the Arizona Wildcats, uh, which does bring me to. We have to talk about USC losing to UCLA this past weekend, Mike, because, oh my God, <laughs> they ended the season seven and five. They don't have a game this upcoming weekend because of uh, their scheduling. They played week zero. They were supposed to have a game, I think, against BYU that got canceled or something. So their season's over, seven and five. The Caleb Williams return season after winning his Heisman ended really horrible. Starting with too. Notre Dame. <laughs> 
starting with Notre Dame, they went one and five in their last six games. Um, they beat Cal by a point. Yeah. So almost oh and six. And then like the Arizona game, which was the weekend before the Notre Dame game, they went to overtime and, and only won because I, I think Arizona's coach just didn't really know the, the overtime, overtime rules. So, yeah. Really, really bad second half of the season for them. Lincoln Riley has been put on the hot yep. seat by all the columnists and reporters in L.A. What, what do you make of that? Do you think he might try to leave for the NFL? Do you think he's got to make some major changes there? Or do you think this is just how his UC, USC tenure will be for as long as he's there? I mean, yeah, high expectations and uh, low results, unfortunately, uh, for them. And he even said maybe the expectations were too high coming into this year. Caleb Williams is gone. All that talk about him maybe coming back because of the money he could make. And if he doesn't like who picks first in the draft, don't buy into it. He's going to be the number one pick in the draft and he's gone. So they'll go at work to their next quarterback. I don't think Lincoln Riley is going to end up in the NFL. I think NFL teams are seeing coaches that come from college to the NFL have a very, very difficult time being successful. I mean, name me the last successful one. Uh, we know Jimmy Johnson, you know, did well for Miami going to the NFL, uh, but it normally doesn't happen. Last one being Matt Rule, who turned Temple around, Baylor around, and then lasted a couple of years in Carolina before now he's back in college. I think. I think Pete, Pete Carroll's probably. Pete Carroll's another one. one. Yeah, Pete Carroll. Pete Car- and he came from USC, ironically. Well, Pete, Pete Carroll and Jimmy Johnson, I, I believe, are both guys who have won yeah. Super Bowls and and and, and uh, college championships. Uh, as well, national championships. So, um, yeah, I, I I think owners now are going to go more toward the younger coordinators, offense, defense coordinators, than, than going to college. But we'll wait and see. Let's end college talk uh, just to tick off the Notre Dame haters even more. Uh, Notre Dame will continue to be independent, much to the dismay of, why don't they join a conference? Because they don't have to. And if your team was in the same position Notre Dame was, your team wouldn't either. Okay? Exactly. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to com- yell and complain all you want. Uh, it uh, doesn't matter. Notre Dame re-ups with NBC. What I didn't realize, Jess, is that it's been, they've been with them for 33 years. Five years after I graduated. I graduated in 85. 1990, yeah. this deal started. Before I was born. Yeah. yeah. I, okay, stop it. I did not realize it had been that long, but Notre Dame re-ups with NBC. They were making roughly 20 mil last year. I'm sure that at least doubled because you look at the top power conferences, each team gets in the area of 45, 50 mil. I think that'll be the area mm-hmm. Notre Dame will get maybe a little less, but they keep their independence. And it was all based on where would your other school, where other teams go? And right now they're in the ACC. But the two most important things was money they're going to get and ease to get into the playoffs. And it's going to 12 teams. So the ease factor went way up. What they won't ever get is a buy because that'll go to conference champions. But that's okay. They can still host a first-round game if they're seated high enough. Uh, so they have every reason to stay independent. They will stay independent. So Notre Dame haters, go ahead and throw your darts all you want. But as I said, you do the same damn thing Notre Dame's doing if you were in that position. I mean, really? I just yeah. I, no. It's it's funny because after the last like two plus years of conference realignment and all of these things happening with teams that are in conferences and teams joining and teams leaving and like the uncertainty of scheduling and just all of these things that are out of a lot of teams' controls. Why would you? Why would anyone want to be in a conference? It sounds terrible. I don't understand why Notre Dame should want to be part of that. Right now, they get to control for the most part their schedule. They still have the ACC games, and they do get a cut of the ACC revenue for for the Olympic sports uh, because all their other sports are you know in the ACC as well, except hockey and football. Um, so revenue wise, like they're going to be making about what other power teams are making, and they also can do their own you know sponsorship deals and all the other things like their Under Armour deal. They're, they're going to be fine. The, the university has a building covered in gold. I don't think money is something that they're lacking. Um, so if independence is important to Notre Dame, which it is, not surprising that they re-upped with NBC. I think it was just a matter of when and how much. Yes, and we still yes. don't have the exact yeah. number, so we'll hopefully get that at some point. Or maybe we never will because it's a private school. So We may, we have, but... may, not, have, may not have to <laughs> declare that. I, I think it'll be in the area of doubled, which would be 40 to a little more than that, maybe between forty and fifty, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think the interesting thing here is that uh, the Big Ten, the Big Ten NBC deal, and the Notre Dame NBC deal now 
end the same time. So we'll see if there is uh, if NBC continues to do college football after that, if they're doing other things like what will happen when the end of the 2020s decade is up for for both of these uh, all of these football teams. But um, not surprised that they re up well, with NBC. what'll be interesting, quite honestly, Jess, you bring up a great point of when these end. This deal ends in 2029, I believe. Where will college sports be then? Will football yes. have broken away, like a lot of people think may happen, from the rest of the sports and become their own entity, which will then be a shame that, you know, conferences like the Pac-12 have disbanded and all the traveling that they have to do. So that's going to be interesting what happens at the end of that deal and where the landscape of college football is. But that's for another day. Another day, Notre Dame secures that, locks that up. Um, so they're there and we have great games coming up this weekend. So, and they beat Wake Forest and they beat Wake Forest last home game. Always a sad one, man. I mean, a great one and a sad one. I cried when my last game there, I know my, my boys did it well. It just hit you like, I cried and I was a fan. It it hit you like a hammer. I mean, when all of a sudden you're not, you're not dressing in that locker room anymore. You're not running out of that tunnel anymore. And I don't, I don't mean just for Notre Dame. I mean, for any senior at any school they are at, that you're not there anymore. You're not doing it. And then between that and my last game was a bowl game, the Aloha Bowl. When that ended and I knew I was never putting on the Notre Dame helmet uniform anymore, man, I cried again. It's just it's just tough because, boom, it's over. You know, and, and you think when you come there, you have all this time, and then before you know it, you know, the domes or whatever college you went to is in the rearview mirror, mirror and you're like, where the hell – did all that time like I never even got to eat at North Dining Hall Uh what the hell I kept putting that off Uh yeah it's uh but congrats to them a nice win for them I love the fact that when Sam Hartman went out of the game they played Whitney Houston's I will always love you and put his face (laughs) up and put him up on the video board that was hilarious I so I love that I tweeted about it and a lot of people are making fun of of me and of Notre Dame and of Sam Hartman because they're like all right he was only there for one year like shut up but who cares who cares he has been he has minus the interceptions he has done the right things he has said the right things he has already said like one day he hopes that you know he could bring his kids to Notre Dame like all of those things make Notre Dame fans feel very special and very happy and so yeah like the future at the quarterback position at Notre Dame's a little uncertain we may get Steve Angeli starting next right. year. You may get a guy in the portal. You may have a third option, mystery third you have option. Car, I don't know. You have Carr coming in. <laughs> CJ Carr yep. coming in, big recruit out of Michigan. So I don't blame fans for being sad that Sam Hartman's leaving. It was a, a fun season yep. minus a couple yep. couple tough moments. Yep. And you, you honor the seniors when they leave. And he is amongst that group, even though he is like a super, super senior. And I'm certainly sad that he's leaving. I've enjoyed the Sam Hartman season at ND. Um, it's been it's been over overall like a fun season yeah. to watch. I, I agree. I've gotten to know him a little bit through the year. He's very, very nice young man. And he's so damn good looking. It's, I think that's the main that's the main thing that maybe goes without saying. But when he's on the video board, people are going if he gets, absolutely. If he goes on the video the board, or Marcus Freeman goes on the video board, or God forbid, they're both together on the video yeah. board as the best looking coach and quarterback in the country. It uh, it gets a lot of people uh, pretty hyped up. So, all right, big college football <laughs> uh, weekend that is coming up. We'll have plenty to talk about there. But next. We will slide over to the NFL, and Jess's favorite team has made a change that we will chat about coming up next. All right, Jess, a lot going on in the NFL. Big Monday night game, rematch of the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the Eagles, which we will get to in a second. First, we've seen our, our second in just a couple of weeks offensive coordinator firing, Ken Dorsey. The OC for the Bills yeah. was fired a couple of weeks ago. And now the team you follow and love, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we had talked about this, and I had rarely, if ever, heard fans, like we heard early in the season, actually chant for the firing of a coordinator. But they were, and it was Matt Canada they were talking about, and that's exactly what Mike Tomlin did. He relieved Matt Canada Canada of his duties, so they will go forward with a different offensive coordinator for the rest of the year, a team that has basically been outscored by 29 points. 
yet just finds themselves two games over 500 and smack dab in the playoffs, which is just stunning to me. But their offense has been stunningly bad. And now we have this change. I'd imagine you're not very shocked at this change. To be honest, I am surprised. Not that they fired Matt Canada, but that they did it mid-season. That is a very un-Steelers-like thing to do. The Steelers are a organization that's had three head coaches since, you know, 1970. They're an organization that doesn't usually make mid-season firings. They kind of do things their own way. Um, I think sometimes to the frustration of fans. According to ESPN Stats and Info, this is the first time the Steelers have made a head coach or coordinator change mid-season since 1941. 41. Which is during like the World War II. Like that is so long ago. Before before you were born, Mike. It's a long oh time ago. Oh my God, seriously? And if you watched the game on Sunday against the Browns, the Steelers lost to the Browns uh, backup quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. It was a really ugly offensive yes. game. The final score was 13 to 10 and the Steelers offense just could not do anything. Now I think there is a little bit of an elephant in the room, which is that how much of this is Canada and how much of this are the limitations of Kenny Pickett, who the Steelers drafted in the first round to be their franchise quarterback. Um, and I do think that you need to look at the whole equation before you blame anything on one right. person yes. because Kenny yes. Pickett has not been great. In, at the Steeler with the Steelers uh, since la- the beginning of last season. He has the lowest touchdown rate in league history. That is not what you want from a no, quarterback. I think there are multiple backups this year that have thrown more interceptions than him, including I think Tommy DeVito being one of them. So it's been a really, really tough offense to watch this entire season. It was a tough offense to watch last season. I think a lot of fans thought Canada would get fired at the end of last season. And I certainly thought that as well. And now I feel at least a little vindicated that I was right. Um, But you had to change something in Pittsburgh because this team wants to make the playoffs. They needed to, you can't fire Kenny Pickett. The trade deadline's over. He's your guy for at least the end of the season. I think TBD, what the Steelers will do in the future if they have a good draft pick or whatnot. The problem with the Steelers, which is like a good and bad problem, is that they're always good enough to get a bad, a worse draft pick than they probably need. So it's, you know, winning nine games. If you're Mike Tomlin, it's great. He's never had a season below 500, but that generally means you're not going to get a super high draft pick. And so you're going to draft late in the first round and get someone like Pickett who, you know, and granted he was the first quarterback off the board in his draft class, but he was a quarterback that I think a lot of teams thought maybe would be like a second or third rounder, not a first rounder. So anyway, all of this is to say now that Canada's gone, I I don't know who the Steelers are going to put in the, in his place to call plays for the end of the season. And I don't know who they're going to hire going into next season, but I think the pressure is really on for Kenny Pickett because now there's no more excuses, right? Like if he continues to not, be accurate to not have a offense that can move the ball, that can score touchdowns, that can play efficiently. You have one less person to blame. So um, it's been a really, really ugly offensive season for the Steelers. But like you said, they're still somehow in the hunt to make the playoffs. And now I think their chances have probably improved slightly after making this firing. So quick uh, on the 1941, last time they made a change during the season in 1941, the person that was let go was was co-owner Burt Bell, and he fired and he fired himself. That's amazing. How about that? So Burt Burt Bell was the Eagles founder, I believe. I so I Mike, I read that uh, really good book, The League, a couple years ago, and Burt Bell was um, I think he was one of like the early Eagles uh, founders, and he was so into football that he had like all sorts of heart problems and his doctors were like, Hey, if you keep going to football games, you're going to die because like you get way too into it and you have a bad heart. And he died on the sideline of a football game because he could not stay away from football. So there's a little tidbit for you, but again, like this was 80 years ago. It's a long time. (laughs) Things have improved, you know, in medicine, you know, it can help, help us old geezers Uh, out a little more. Okay. So real quickly. And again, as the, at the taping of this, basically the news just came out about man Canada. So who's going to take over? I would say the person in line would probably be the quarterback coach, Mike Sullivan, who is either quarterback coach or, or been the offensive coordinator and 
like Denver, the Giants, Tampa Bay before going to Pittsburgh. And he's the one who had been dealing directly with Kenny Pickett. The, the reason why, and, and my son Mike and I were talking about this, of how this would be received in that Pittsburgh locker room. And I think because, Jess, it's Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is about as respected a head coach as there is by the league and other coaches and by players who have played and who are playing now. So I think he gets the benefit of the doubt in making a move like we talk about with the Steelers that is not normally made. I think Mike Tomlin gets has the respect that, okay, if he thinks this is what we need to do, and then we'll see how it works. Because one thing we don't know, I don't know the relationship of Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett. I know Matt Canada because I covered him in college. is a very type A personality, really believes in what he is doing is the right way. So I don't know what the give and take was with he and Kenny Pickett because Kenny's a young quarterback. I have no idea, but obviously Mike Tomlin felt there needed to be a change and that was the easiest change to make. So let's see what happens now. Do I expect this offense to now go 400 yards every week? Absolutely <laughs> not. They don't have that in them. But what you, you're you not looking for, the, the system isn't going to change, but how plays are called and what plays are called could be yeah. mixed up. Uh, uh, could be mixed up to help Kenny Pickett more depending on what, what he and the new offensive coordinator talk about. Yeah, I mean, one thing that you mentioned is like the way that Mike Tomlin has so much respect from the locker room, like a transition like this, I imagine is probably easier on a team where you have someone like that in charge versus another team. And that's something that like this past weekend, I think I think Brandon Staley has made a case for himself to be the next person fired in the NFL. Um, and he's someone that you don't really hear that a lot from. I was listening to Kevin Clark and Dominique Foxworth talking about this on the Dominique Foxworth show, but Brandon Staley is someone who doesn't really have that leadership uh, persona or, or following from his team. Right. And he also is just making crazy decisions every yeah. week on the field, Mike. So the chargers have now lost to the Packers. They have a losing record. They're a team that was a, you know, preseason favorite to maybe even win the division. Um, where, what do you make of this? What, well, are they going to fire him in season two? Well, Is this going to be a, and, and listen, let, let, let let's first say, and I, and I believe you feel the same way. We, we never would call for the firing of anybody. That That's not, no, not I feel real, bad for absolutely everyone. right. But we also know it's a reality that like between four and seven coaches are fired every year in the NFL. That's just a reality. Yeah. I think the two biggest guys on the hot seats are Brandon Staley uh, and Ron Rivera in Washington. We've already seen Josh McDaniels get released. Uh, I think those two are going to be in a lot of trouble. They've just been underachieving. Brandon Staley's forte is defense, and his defense is one of the worst in the league. And the offense, even while it's better than the defensive side of the ball, still seems to be underachieving. They're a head-scratching team each year as to we expect them to be better, and they're not. So I have a feeling there's going to be uh, some changes there. I want to get to F1 before that. We had the Monday night game, the rematch of the Super Bowl. I've learned now in the last two times these two teams have played, be down 10 at halftime and you'll win. In the Super Bowl, <laughs> KC was down 10 at halftime. They won. Monday night, Philly was down 10 at halftime and they won. So I'll ask, I'll put it to you this way, because they're still two of the be better teams in the NFL, not the two best teams in the yeah. NFL. The loss by Kansas City here, the fact that they have 26 drops on the year more than anybody in the league, the fact that they're averaging five points in the second half worse than the league, the fact their last three games they haven't scored a point in the second half. Do you have concerns for them going forward and you know where they want to get back to the Super Bowl and win it with the way they're playing right now? I mean, certainly, but also like – like you just said, like we know exactly what their problems are. Like if Marquez Valdez Scantling catches that football, we're talking about a different thing this morning. So you just have to like hunker down and fix those issues if they're fixable, which I think they are. Like I think drops are something that you can fix. Like just stop dropping. Stop dropping football, it. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> you 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 called a play. The guy was open. Your quarterback threw an incredible yep. pass, and the, the weather was crappy. Like we'll give him a little bit of like the benefit of the doubt there. But like you said, it's like a season long issue. Um, but we know exactly what their problems are, and they're still sitting at seven and three. And now the Eagles have moved to nine and one, which is pretty good. They, they only have that one kind of inexplicable loss to the Jets in there. So you know exactly what your issues are. Fix the issues. You still have time. It's only November. And I'm I'm slightly worried. Yes, like this, this may these may be things that come back and bite them in the playoffs. But I also looking around the AFC, 
especially now that Joe Burrow is out for the season, Mike, I don't think I'm that worried. I, I Maybe I should be more worried. I'm just not that worried about the Chiefs. I'm not either because I don't think the ASC ended up being as deep as we all thought. All right, we're going to Vegas next. Coming up. Mike, the Las Vegas Grand Prix finally happened this weekend, and I slept through the entire thing. Oh. I told you I was going to sleep through it, and I followed through on my word. But what was interesting was that um, practice, the practice sessions, which took place um, earlier in the weekend, yeah. ended up ending like as I was waking up the following morning because there was such a long delay from a humongous fiasco that almost wrecked the entire weekend for formula one which is that a water valve yep. cover um was sucked up by carlos Sainz's ferrari into his car it, during the first practice session uh, in las vegas in front of you know thousands of paying customers and then the race organizers had to figure out a way to cement them down so that it didn't happen again 30 it took of them. hours 30 it of took- those <laughs> things they had to they had to put sand and asphalt in I mean, my God. Yeah, and there was tons of damage to the Ferrari, and and Carlos Sainz ended up getting a grid penalty, even though it wasn't even his fault. Like, crazy. It's crazy, but Formula One's going to Formula One. I don't understand how the FAA works. I never will. But they ended up cementing these things down, filling the water valves with, you know, like cement and stuff and, like, I don't know. It looked, it looked kind of messy, but it ended up working because then they started racing again, and things were pretty much okay for the rest of the weekend, but... What ended up happening to these poor fans was that Formula One organizers had to send them home before practice resumed because it was so late at that point because they started this event so freaking late, which I was complaining about for months. Um, it was so late that the the organizers and like the workers at the event essentially like timed out like they couldn't stick around to make sure people got home safely and like, you know, to work right. the event, basically. So people paid to go to the Formula One practice session and saw eight minutes of cars zooming by before it was stopped. Then they, a lot of them waited hours to watch it resume. It didn't end up resuming in front of fans. They got sent home. And Formula One said, here's a $200 voucher yeah. to our merch store. For merch store. I know. And so now there's a class action lawsuit. Lawsuit. It's crazy. So uh, overall, so we had that. And I, and I talked about this. I was in Vegas the week before doing a Raiders game. And I had talked to a lot of people and they were very, very disheartened, disappointed, especially the locals who were looking to make some money, whether it's tip money or overtime, talking about how the hotels were 30 and 40% full. Talked to one guy who said he got a room for like $18 uh, and people that were paying thousands for a ticket or, or, or I, I should say that there were seats that were available for thousands of ticket that remained empty. So there was a lot of the local people not happy about this. So then we had the fiasco for practice and then everything else ran pretty smoothly. Verstappen wins, which isn't shocking. We had right out of the gate in turn one, we had issues right on the, in the start, but that's not the first or last time we'll see that. And last I thought I heard it brought in 1.2 billion to Las Vegas, how that gets dispersed, I have no idea, but I know a lot of the local people are not happy in how it all happened. There's like some, there's some like event tax that yeah. Formula One's like, we're going to pay, we're going to pay our taxes. So, so don't worry. In your, in your <laughs> mind, when you do your F1 pod, did this work? I thought that going into the podcast, I just recorded with Spencer Hall, which people can check out when it's out. It's called DNF. Spencer was at the race. Uh, he works, he does some F1 stuff with ESPN. So he was there. Um, I thought going into talking to Spencer, the answer would be like, eh, it probably came out in a wash because the race was actually pretty exciting, but you had all this background craziness happening, especially with locals being pissed, like the fans, everything that you just mentioned. Um, but Spencer's overall reaction to it was like, this was a, this was a success. Like this race actually worked. The circuit actually worked. It was a pretty fun circuit to watch. Like we talked about how the street circuits generally you don't get a lot of like overtaking, but this one had long DRS sections yeah, and there them. was a lot yeah. of overtaking. There was safety cars, which kind of jumbled things up too. Um, it had really fast straights. It had some slower corners. Like it just, the circuit worked. It looked incredible under the lights in Las Vegas. Like it, I have to give them credit because I think the entire point of this event was like, what if we raced down the strip? And they did. And it looked really cool. Um, and it was a fun race. Max Verstappen won. I mean, 
we we knew that was going to happen, but he almost didn't. So it was a it was a real race, um, and it unfortunately happened at one a.m. Yeah. Eastern. So I didn't get to watch it live. But people who stayed up, uh, I think ESPN had uh, had said that like one point three million people tuned in for this. So people who did stay up to watch it got a pretty fun event to watch, uh, and the fans who did end up making it got to see like a, a really exciting one of the probably one of the more more exciting races of the entire season. So to answer your question, I think it worked. I think it worked. And I think Vegas now kind of has surpassed Miami in terms of U.S. circuits that people might actually want to go to and watch. And now you probably have people that like Austin a lot, Vegas a lot, and then like Miami's in like no man's land for Formula so, One fans in the States. So I guess that's what I was going to ask. They built a $240 million permanent paddock there for the cars and everything. So the the race, you think the race will have no issues being back there again? Now, Max Verstappen was not happy at all. He said they're doing 99% entertainment and nothing about the, the, it's just a big party to people. They're not really having people learn about racing at all. So he wasn't ecstatic about it. But do you think it is it is in the circuit to stay? I do think so. And I think Max Verstappen brought up a lot of really good points in that interview question, which uh, if people are interested, they should listen to it. Um, there has been a like Super Bowlification of Formula One in the United States that I think has rubbed a lot of older fans and European fans, especially, and like, you know, real diehard racing fans the wrong way. Um, but I do think that he said that not knowing that the circuit would probably end up being as exciting as it was. So at least you get the benefit of like, this was a, a real race. This wasn't just a parade down the strip and no one gets to pass anyone. And then we all end in the same position we started. Can in. I ask you a quick, I know we only have a few seconds left. A quick question though. Is it like the race in Monaco, a big party as well? I mean, yes, yeah, so. <laughs> that is, but it's an old big party. Okay. So there's, you know, some nuance there. I, you know, it's a good point, but yeah, to answer your question, it is, it is basically the same and the streets are more narrow and yeah. there's a huge casino there too. Yes. Well, so. there you go. They, they have that in common. <laughs> so F1 in Vegas started out a little shaky, uh, but finished up relatively, it seems strong. So uh, look to have it back there again. Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Eat turkey, don't eat turkey, eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter just as long as you're happy and have a place to unbuckle your pants.